Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Commerce Club podcast. I'm your host Sophie Biggestaff and this show is all about helping small product-based business founders debunk the challenges they're facing in their business right now. I've worked in the retail industry for the past 12 years for some of the world's biggest brands including Ralph Lauren, Kate Spade and Burberry and I now use my extensive industry experience to help entrepreneurs like you set up and grow their brands. This week's guest on the Commerce Club podcast is Kira. She is an all-round fabric whiz and joins me today to chat about sourcing fabrics for your small product business. If you are starting a fashion brand, it is highly likely you will need to source some kind of fabric for your product. And this can feel like a minefield if this is something you have no experience in. It's likely that as a new business founder, bringing your idea to life, you've probably never done this before and it can feel super overwhelming. Kira has been working in the fabric sourcing industry for many years. She studied textiles design and has held fabric sourcing positions at UK high street giants, including River Island and Coast. She now runs her own fabric agency where she represents eight fabric mills all over the world. In this episode, Kira talks us through the fabric sourcing process and how to avoid hefty fabric MOQs and the common mistakes people make when they're sourcing their fabrics. Hi, Kira. How are you? Welcome to the podcast. Hi, nice to meet you. Thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for joining me. Um, so today we're going to be talking about all things fabric sourcing. But before we begin, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell us a bit about your background and the business that you're running at the moment. Of course. So, yes, my name's Kira. I run a little textile agency called Kira Jennings Textiles, uh, which is just me, basically. Um, so I represent eight mills in total um, globally. So they're, they're not UK based. They're from Europe, Japan, Far East. Um, and I represent them in the UK. And basically it's up to me to take that mills collection out and kind of show it to all the relevant customers to generate sales for, for them in the UK market, basically. And then it's up to me to like negotiate lead times, prices, problem solve, make sure the fabrics are delivered on time once they're ordered. Um, yeah, so my background, I did textile design at Chelsea, um, Chelsea College of Art and Design, um, which was basically purely design led. So it was like, yeah, literally designing fabric. So I specialised in print and stitch. And then once I graduated, my first job out of university was at River Island. So I was this assistant fabric sourcer and developer at River Island for three, three years, three and a bit years. So didn't actually do any fabric buying, but it was all of the trends, all of the fabric trends, all of the colours, um, you know, working with all the departments, menswear, women's wear, children's wear. Um, and yeah, kind of like doing fabric appointments and feeding all of that back to the relevant departments, ordering sampling getting all the prices and everything sorted out um and then if they wanted to buy it, it would then be passed on to buying the buying team they would then sort that and then after that I hopped the fence over to the um supplier side and I worked at a fabric agency for a year and I was like an account manager there so I looked after various high street accounts with the specific mills that I was working with and that's how I then got my next job so I then uh, was the fabric buyer at Coast for three and a half years um so the the fabric buyer went on maternity leave and somehow I managed to get the job um so I went in and headed up the fabric department there um which was amazing because at the time like coast was this you know was one of the major players on the high street for occasion wear um and yeah so I was there for three and a half years and then I hopped back to the other side like the supply I've been doing this for 
11 years now which is kind of crazy um so yeah I kind of feel like I know both sides of the fence it's like I know how it works on the retail side I know how how it works on the supplier side for both so um yeah so in a nutshell that's me (laughs) great career great career overview as well and I I like that you started out at River Island I started working at River Island as well when I was 16 years old I was on the shop floor in the local Watford River Island so I know a lot about the business um that was kind of where my journey began with like the retail industry as well so that's really cool um and I guess one of the things um that we're going to be talking about is like the fabric sourcing process it'd be really interesting to hear it from like both sides obviously you've got it from like a brand side like what brands generally are looking for when they're sourcing fabrics but also like from the um the mill side as well like what kind of things do they offer so talk us a little bit through like the fabric sourcing process um this is quite a new subject to me as well this is not something that I know loads about so I'm really interested to hear a bit more about it okay it's massive it's it's huge and I think a lot of people kind of go into um fashion like design or buying production merchandising and they don't really know a lot about the fabric side and then they're really surprised when they're like oh yeah hello this is there's quite a lot going on here um and yeah I think a lot of people or brands think that maybe they can kind of get away with not necessarily having it or it's not that important but actually it it, it really is like you know for me I kind of think the fabric can really set your brand apart from your competitors um you know and quality really really necessarily of a case of just like oh we'll just have this basic you know if it doesn't perform well it's going to really impact your your garment make and you know your customers are going to notice the quality I think really important part of the process that maybe takes a bit of a backseat for a lot of people um obviously every brand is different every company is different whatever your um you know everyone works in a slightly different way so you know a lot of a lot of brands work in a kind of fully factored way so they will hand over the fabric they'll hand over the um design of whatever it is that they want to the factory to the supplier and they will do all of that work for them um or you can do it yourself as in a like a cmt basis so you can source the fabrics yourself and then obviously kind of getting more control and having the final decision on what that what that quality of fabric is um so yeah generally retailers might have a fabric buyer maybe the designers or the buyers do it themselves but they will do fabric appointments so someone like me an agent will come in and I will make sure that I have only got the fabrics that are relevant for that brand so there's no point in showing a cloth collection to somebody that can only book 150 meters and then if the minimum order quantity for that mill is a thousand meters or you know if you retail a dress at 60 pounds you're not going to want to see a fabric at 15 20 euros a meter so you know it's up to me as the as the agent to make sure that I am bringing to the customer the most relevant fabrics for them to be able to to buy and obviously if you're going in to see somebody that works on coats you're not going to take in printed dress fabric fabric so you know it's like again having that awareness um so yeah, it was up to me to then go in, show the collections, and as a fabric buyer or or someone looking at fabric, you then obviously do a selection of the most relevant fabrics for your brand, for your company. Um, and then if you like them, if if everyone's like, yeah, cool, we're going to design into this, and this is the fabric that we we want to use, then you come back to me, you order sampling from the 
mill. I will get that sent out, whether it's to your head office, your factory, whatever. You get the garment made up. Um, if potentially you would then wear a trial of the garment and that then flags up any potential issues. So maybe there might be a seam slippage issue or there might be something to do with pilling. And then, you know, we would have a discussion. We would kind of, if we could problem solve that, we would do that obviously pre-bulk. Um, and then if, if from a retailer point of view, if the fabric works and it costs in and everyone's happy with it, then you book it and you come to me and you book the fabric with me and the mill directly. We'll negotiate a price, an X mill date, shipping will then sort all of that out for you and then obviously as soon as the fabric's ready we'll send you a cut for approval and if you're happy and it's in line with what it is that you booked which 99.9 percent .9 of the time it is <laughs> then we will then ship the fabric for you to your factory you will get your garments made up and so you know we're, we're literally like a tiny bit in that whole critical path process so we're at the beginning from the development process up until the fabric goes to the factory and then obviously that then leaves our hands and it's up to you know it's up to the factory then to make the garments deliver deliver them etc so but then if there is any problems with the fabric at the factory the factory needs to then flag that to us and again we will problem there's a lot of problem solving potentially going going on in in the fabric world because you know you're not necessarily making sheets of steel you know it's like you're not making sheets of metal there's so many variables within the production process so um you know there always has to be a bit of tolerance kind of given when you're when you're working with fabrics what are some so of the common problems that you see facing like you said that there's a few um yeah. lot of problem solving in this in this area what are the kind of common things that you come up against so I would say probably the most common things to come up against are color approvals so say whether you've got a print so you might have a strike off so strike off is where you just do a very very small like you know half a meter just do a very small sample for you of what that is and it's always unfinished so it's always unfinished the handle won't be the same the colors won't be the same and then even when you go sampling so say you approve that strike off and you're like okay we're going to order three meter sampling of this print in this color the sampling is never finished the same as the bulk either so there's always going to be variables so you might get somebody who's got a bulk they've got their bulk production for approval and they're looking at the strike off and they're like it's different and it's like it is going to be different there will be slight kind of differences within the color it shouldn't be to the point that it looks completely different but there has to be a kind of tolerance like the general tolerance in the industry is like five percent so you know you could think of a usable width you could think of um shrinkage for example like if you think wash care you don't want it shrinking more than well three percent really um that's the kind of general tolerance so if we go over that then it's you need to look at refinishing composition well so if if you've got a fabric with a lot of blended fibers maybe it's not 100 cough maybe it's a blend of like wool cotton linen bit like whatever you've got four or five components to it there's always going to be a bit of a variable in if you're getting the composition tested to what the mill's specifically stating but again if it's like way off then you've got to question it and just be like well this isn't what you're saying that it is um so yeah so there's there's a few things there is a few things but normally hopefully it's it's okay and width is obviously a really important one so you know width and weight it's quite interesting like 
you know, you might get someone call up and they're like, you know, the fabric doesn't feel like the sampling. It feels heavier. And it's like, well, check the width. So if it's like 130 and it should be 145, it's going to be more compact. So it's going to feel heavier. It's going to feel weightier. And that's a really easy thing that the mills can refinish. They just put it through the finishing machine again at the correct width and fix it to that width. And you're fine. There you go. Problem solved. It doesn't it doesn't take a particularly long time. But if something like that is missed, and then the fabric turns up at the factory and they've got their lay plan for cutting the garments and they've worked it out to a 145 and it's a 130, you're losing garments. You can't do your complete buy, you know, that that then becomes a problem. And by that point, the fabric's already at the factory. So you might have to then incur costs to ship it back, to get it refinished, to then ship it. So you're losing time on your production schedule with the garment factory, you're, which then means that you're losing time to sell the fabric you know, to sell your garments. So it's all, you know, all of, all of these things, very important to get all your ducks in a row when it comes to, when it comes to things like this, it, you know, it's being really organized because by the time the fabric leaves the fact that the mill and goes to the factory, any problems then it's too late. And if the factory cuts the fabric when there's a problem, generally the mills are like, you've cut it, it's out of our hands. Like if you want us to do anything, you have to negotiate any kind of discount, anything like that before the factory cut the fabric. Yeah, that makes sense. And I guess it's all just working to the critical path, isn't it? And factor it, factoring in if you are, I guess, the the main, for example, if someone was listening to this podcast and they're thinking, well, when would I need to source a fabric? I guess it's if you're literally going through a whole product development process. And this is just a really small piece of that puzzle in terms of actually yeah. sourcing and finding your supplier, sourcing and finding yeah. your fabrics or your trims that piece it's all just slitting in slotting into your critical path in order for you to actually get that garment made you need to incorporate fabric into your critical path and critical paths are so important like you know you need to be doing them at the beginning of the season making sure that you know the beginning of the year for two seasons so you know exactly what you need to be doing when and you know it, it can't like fabric can't be a second thought because if you think about it it could be like right i really want to use this fabric they don't have any sampling the mill's got to make it might take them two weeks to make the sampling maybe three so then that's three weeks into your critical path so you need to source it you need to get the sampling you need to get a garment made and then you need to decide whether you want to buy it so maybe it might take you a week to design a week to source two to three weeks for it to be made and two to three weeks for it to be for the garment to be made depending on where you're getting it so you're already at two and a half months there you know uh, it's like um, this it just it needs to be planned in and then fabric production is generally six to eight weeks you need a little buffer each side for shipping and potentially any problems. So essentially, you know, it, the, the fabric sourcing and development and production side takes a good six months. For sure. And I think a lot of people that go into starting a product based business, particularly in fashion, kind of sometimes underestimate how long this process actually takes. And I mean, obviously you can do things um a little bit half-assed and you can speed it all through and hope for the best with your results but if you really want to go through all of the motions and do it properly this is obviously a massive massively important step so if I was a um a founder and I was wanting to start a fashion brand for example at what stage would you suggest you start looking for fabrics and where would I go about finding those fabric suppliers because obviously like you said you you're working um in an agency style format where you're kind of the middleman between the brand and the the mill um is that is that quite normal is that generally the process would I come to somebody like you to find my fabric or could I then go and source my fabric myself 
Yeah, it's it's a it's a mixture. And again, everybody works in a very different way and it really depends on the brand. It depends on the size of the brand and and what your what your fabrics are and what you're looking for. Like some people might, for example, just be like, we use three core fabrics and that's it. And we use it across multiple styles and that's all we do. Like and so you you might only need to find like two, three, four fabrics a year and that's it. Um, or you might like the fabric might be quite a big thing for your brand where you're like that this is helps with the point of difference and setting us apart of our brand identity. It's really important for us. So I would then be like, right, you need to start sourcing your fabrics at the same time as you're doing your design development. So the, the, the two go hand in hand. So when you're like doing your colours, putting your prints together, where you're you're actually like design developing your range that's when you need to start looking into fabrics as well. Like, like it's a design process. It goes together. Um, so generally where I would say for most people to kind of source their fabrics is to go to the fairs. Like most countries have their own local textile fairs. So we have the London textile fair that takes place twice a year. So once a season. Um, and so you've got a spring, summer and an autumn, winter uh, show. And that's a really, really good starting point. Um, one thing that I would say as a startup is that, um, and anyone I'm sure who's listening to this who is starting up their own brand probably gets faced with a lot of no's and a lot, lot of doors closed because, you know, maybe you're not necessarily asking the right questions or you're not necessarily using the right language, which is a real giveaway as to whether you know what you're talking about or not. And generally your minimums are going to be low. So, you know, you might only want like 40, 50 metres, 100 metres. And essentially mills are set up to produce huge volumes of fabric. It's a very costly process. And, you know, agents like myself, we get paid on commission. So we don't get like a flat salary from the mills. So sales are really important to us. We need to be generate generating large sales for the mill because otherwise it's you know it's not worth it for us you get paid five percent commission on a hundred meter order it's not going to pay you know it, it just doesn't you know so there is an element of being like okay obviously you want to help people and you've got to um you know just help people build their brands absolutely but I think you do have to kind of try and remember that that you know a lot of mills a lot of agents that you know they're wanting like a thousand meters three thousand five thousand meter orders that's where the money is that's where the business is so you're going to be wanting to work with bigger brands so as a small brand that's starting up you need to be trying to find mills that are stock mills so it's like maybe dead stock or, or they operate in that way so they have no minimums they have no lead times it's super quick you can just go in order whatever it is that you need and you know the minimum fuss basically um but they're not particularly common so you do need to kind of ask the right questions um you know obviously google like you can try and find out but there are obviously agents like myself that represent multiple mills like so for me i like i said earlier i have eight mills and each one of my mills offers a different product at a different price point with a different minimum so i try and work that i have something for everybody so i have something for startups i have like mid mid high street mid to low high street and then i work all the way up to luxury so it's depending on the depending on the brand and the product that they're after i 
for everybody but not every agent's like that you know not everybody is like that everyone everyone works differently but it is a very good start is getting in touch with some agents going to the local textile fairs once you get a little bit more established and you, you know what it is that you want and potentially you're growing bigger you could then go to premier vision in paris or you could go to milano unica in milan which are again like you know bigger international fairs um so if you want to source new mills, you're looking for inspiration, you're looking for fabric trend, inspo, you would go to these big affairs, spend a couple of days there and, and you know, right at the beginning of the season. So you come back, you get all your hangers. What are we going to what are we going to sample for the new season? What's going into the new styles and you, and you work with the fabric and the garment together? And I guess at some of these fabric fairs, there's suppliers from all over the world like mills from all over the world and you mentioned earlier that you have mills globally that you work with are there any regions or countries that are better for sourcing various fabrics like is there um for example if I'm trying to source recycled cotton for example like where um would there be like a specific type of region that I'm looking for to source that so with regards to where you would go to source certain things there's definitely countries that you would go to that specialize in yeah specific areas so for example Italy if you go to Prato or you go to Biella and like Prato is very famous for wool wool coatings wool jacket wool blends for tailoring um and it's it's kind of like that mid price level so mid high street kind of price level minimums aren't too high it's either 300 to 500 meters and you're kind of at an average price point there Biella in Italy is renowned for very fine luxury wool tailoring. So again, if you're slightly more higher end, so you're talking about like the Burberries, the Victoria Beckhams, like that that kind of level, you would be going to somewhere like Biella to source your super fine wool fabrics. You you might be looking at 20, 25 euros a meter there. Prato, you'd be somewhere between like seven and 15. So again, you've got that, got that jump. If you can't afford wool, uh the the kind of the alternative to a wool tailoring is a pvl polyviscoselastane generally you get that out of turkey and china so i mean you can go to other regions and get these these fabrics you can find them but the countries that specialize in these cloths are those countries so essentially turkey if you want a shorter lead time again the lead times out of turkey are much quicker you're looking at four to six weeks italy is generally eight to twelve or europe is eight to twelve um but The thing with Turkey is that you might have slightly higher minimums. So they might have a 500 meter MOQ or a thousand meter MOQ. So there's always like a trade off. So, you know, you might want to have a cheaper product, but you're going to hit a higher minimum. So and it's the same with China. So, you know, China does everything. You can go to China and you can find denim, cotton, poly, prints, like wool, it won't be as fine. It won't be as nice as you would get out of out of China. Uh, sorry, out of Italy. They don't have the same history of pr- producing that type of fabric. I mean, historically, obviously, China was renowned for silk. So again, you would go to China and India, potentially maybe Thailand, like smaller kind of industry. Um, cottage industries i suppose for for silk production um but that is historically where you would go for your silk and your embroideries and that that kind of product area um 
But if you're looking from a kind of general level with China, um, you know, they they produce they're the biggest exporter of textiles globally. Like it's it's insane the amount of amount of fabric that they produce. And again, you have different levels of what you can get. I mean, you can find very, very bobby basic, very cheap polyester viscose fabrics where you might be spending two dollars a meter on a fabric, you know. But again, the minimums could be really high. So you, you might be looking at 3000 meters per order per color or higher for that kind of thing. So that that's the trade off. But you've also, you know, you mentioned sustainability. And again, you've got to think about that as well, where it's like if something's so cheap, I always I always kind of use the um, like the comparison where it's like, would you eat a really cheap sausage? Do you know what I mean? It's like everything's kind of cheap for a reason. It's just, it's the same with fabric. It's like if something's costing like, you know, under two dollars a meter, there's a reason for it. You know, and it's it's probably because it's not particularly great quality, which means cutting corners environmentally, socially. Um, you know, so it's like, do you actually really want to do that? Obviously, a lot of companies do. Um but you can find like an, a, a more responsible product out of China as well. If you if you obviously work with the right mills, ask the right questions, they've got the right um, processes in place to be able to provide you with that information. So, um, yeah, I mean, when it comes to like trying to source sustainably, like, you know, BCI cotton, generally a lot of people, a lot of mills that are supplying a, a cotton-based product should be able to provide with some kind of certification, whether it's BCI, Better Cotton Initiative, Registered Cotton. Organic cotton is quite tricky. I mean, less than 1% of all cotton production globally at the moment is organic. And, you know, we have a, um, you know, big influx of, of companies and people just being like right i want to be sustainable i only want to buy sustainable fab fabrics um so you know if you think that there's a lot of people switching over to that overnight um you know there isn't the infrastructure in place for mills and raw material suppliers to switch over. it takes years to become an organic cotton farm you know you have to like be testing the soil every year it has to be completely inspected every every year for like five six years before you can then be certified as a, an organic cotton farm so it isn't something and then everyone's like oh we want to buy organic cotton and then there's no organic cotton you can't buy it because it's like it takes years and then all of a sudden everyone's jumping on the sustainability bang, bang, wagon and they can't get it you know so it's it's again about working with your suppliers to help them transition over to be sustainable, responsible, maybe kind of finding the mills that are working towards that. And yeah, actually what that looks like. So um, I think you have to kind of be realistic as well. Um, and also really kind of think about what sustainability means to you as your brand. I mean, can you honestly, hand on your heart, say that you can work in fashion and be sustainable? I don't know whether you can. Like, you know, I've been in this industry, like, God, longer than I want to admit, like 20, 22 years. And I I don't think that you can, I, you know, and it, you definitely haven't been able to up until now. It's quite interesting. We're going through quite an interesting transition and change in the industry. I think it's quite exciting. There's lots of newness and new production processes and, um, you know, whether that's textiles or garment production, lots of new yarns, like things coming on the market, which is great. You know, it's a really interesting time. 
but for the last 20 years there's been none of it you know or been a very very small part of the industry that's actually really kind of taken that kind of sustainability and what that means like more seriously than others you know um so it's a, it is really interesting but whether you can actually fully say that you, you're a sustainable fashion brand I don't think that you can you know it, it's probably a lot easier from the bottom up you know if you're new and you're starting out and you're like right I want to make sure that I'm using a transport company that has renewable energy that uses renewable energy I'm not using plastic or anything like unrecycled plastic in my when I wrap my garments for transportation um you know, my office is going to be using LED lights um, and we have a recycling system in our office. You know, there's so many facets. It's like, who's making your trims? Are they getting paid fair, fair wage? Are they, is there equal opportunities within the factories that you're working for? How is it supporting local communities? What's the impact that it's having on the environment? Like, you know, the energy that's needed to produce fabric and garments, you know, that's, that's, how do you escape that? You know, you don't because you have to, like, you know, it's, it's huge. It's massive. It's mind blowingly massive. Like how much it kind of, you know, encompasses this business, this industry. Um, yeah. So yeah, you know, I have a lot of people go, Oh, I want to be sustainable. Can we use recycled polyester? And you're like, of course you can, but that doesn't make you a sustainable brand. <laughs> yeah, you know? I, I agree with this actually. And I think, um, like a lot of people come to me, a lot of clients saying, oh, I, I want one of my biggest values is that I want sustainability. And I'm like, okay, so is that just in your from your product side or are you going to do that across all of the different things, aspects of your business? Because I think what a lot of people kind of get caught up on is for example if you're a British brand like you want to be you want to put on your labels like made in the UK because it kind of adds that kind of credibility to your business but I guess some of the things that you kind of forget is that a lot of the fabrics or a lot of the things that you are um, buying into for your business probably were not sourced directly from the UK yeah you might be buying them from a UK company but they may have been shipped in from Korea or shipped in from China. And then you're kind of forgetting about that whole piece before you actually bought this product, like what actually happened to that roll of fabric yeah. that you've bought, which has probably come from a Far East country or wherever. And then a UK supplier has got hold of it. And now you're sourcing it from, yes, you are sourcing it from the UK, but realistically it's not from there um and I think a lot of people get caught up on caught out on that because they just don't realize or um it's not really been thought about but there's so like you said there's so many aspects to having a sustainable business and I think it's impossible to have like 100% sustainability unless exactly what you just said like you are starting from bottoms up and you are building every single thing into your business to to be measured in some way that is sustainable otherwise it's it's very very hard to do I mean, I definitely think you can do it from a top down as well, even if you are an established brand, um, you know, no, no matter what your size, you can definitely like, but it takes a lot of work and it's going to be a business model and it's your money. So, you know, you have to be willing to do all of those things and you you can transition. Of course you can, but it has to come from, you know, the top, top people that are working there, knowing and understanding and and agreeing that that's something you know that they're willing to compromise their margin and and to 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 be like that which a lot of brands as we know in this industry is very we're very very margin driven we are a heavily oh, yeah. margin driven 
especially the UK, like we're, we're all about bottom line over design, over quality, over it all. You know, I've seen it so many times. Um, and that even happens now with regards to sustainability. You know, you might be working with a, a reputable high street brand and using the recycled version costs an extra 30 cents a meter and they don't want to do it. It's a no. So, you know, it's because it affects the margin. So it's it's hard. It's a hard and this is why I'm like, you know, I, I think you have to really kind of think about what sustainability means to you and um, what your brand values are as as a company and and stick to them and just be like, right, this is what we're doing. But I don't think you can sit. I don't think you can say that you are a sustainable brand because I don't think no. it exists. Yeah, no, I had a very similar conversation with um, Sarah Collins, who is an ethical production consultant, and we've done a podcast fairly recently as well. And she she said exactly the same thing. You kind of, it's almost like picking your battles. Like, what things are the most important for you to to, uh, factor into your business? Like, yeah, you want to be sustainable, but in which way are you planning to be sustainable? Yes, you want to be an ethical business. What, what do you mean by that? And I think we get caught yeah. up because it, they're buzzwords. They've been buzzwords maybe for the past like two years. Like, obviously there was a huge spike in like, oh, I want to be a sustainable brand and um, every, the, the world is ending and we need to change X, Y, Z. Yes, we do, um, but we can't do everything always, particularly when it comes down to money, exactly what you just said, like, that has to be factored in because ultimately you're selling a product and you're selling that product for profit. Um, And all of these things come down to like the bottom line numbers, which is all the things that you're putting into your product. And there's only so much your budget is going to allow for you to become this sustainable business that you want to become. So I think it's very much choosing exactly what that means to you and kind of prioritizing the things that you can realistically do and I kind of think as well like if you're using that margin if you're using that bottom line profit to kind of reinvest that into um sustainable projects you know that's a really nice thing to 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 do and consider it's like what are you giving back like how are you using this to help and improve um whether that's an environmental or a social um cause you know there's a, I do think that there is a lot of other things that we can do also produce less you know why do you have to produce so much maybe yeah. maybe you because like and slow it down you know we don't I get everyone's always going to want nice things. Yeah, I think that's just a human, like that's just innate in us. Like people like pretty things, people like new things. Like, But it's like, how do we do that with integrity? And how do we do that without our environment and our societies? Um, and yeah, and maybe it's buying less, maybe it's producing less, it's being more considered with how you're doing it. Um, it's not chasing the bottom line the entire time. It's slowing it down. You know, it's really kind of like trying to slow it down. Yeah. Uh, what journey does this product go on? Like all of the components that you need for this garment, like what what journey is it going on? And and what does it look like at the end? How do, how do we get rid of the garment? How do we safely and responsibly dispose of every single element of this garment? You know, you could look, you could maybe say that you only use biodegradable fa- fabrics. So if it does go into landfill, it does disintegrate, you know. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's huge. It's a big, it's a big, big area of sustainability. And I could talk about it for hours, but <laughs> yeah. Um, for really sure it is it's a big conversation and I think obviously something 
there's so many different ways you can go about it so it's just finding what's going to be right for you and if that's down the route of sourcing that's great um I think one of the things that um a question that comes up all the time is like how do you actually figure out how much fabric you're going to need like going back to kind of sourcing fabric specifically like how do you know like how how do you work that out like how do you work out how much consumption um your product is gonna have very easy formula to this you basically need to your usable width the cutter has done your lay plan um they will be able to tell you the exact amount of fabric that you need to make a garment so you might need if you're making a coat maybe you might need 1.73 meters of fabric that's the consumption for that garment um and if you know for example that you are going to buy 500 units of this coat or this jacket and it's 1.73 uh, meters of fabric you will need 865 meters because you times the units by the by the rating and that gives you your total mm. fabric order so um and then generally you need to kind of round it up or down to the piece length which will either be generally as a rule of thumb is 50 meters so you might be like right i need 865 meters let's call it 850 we'll go slightly under or we'll go up we'll go we'll go 900 and then if there's any issues within the fabric like during the production production process like you know that most companies have a fault rate so where you're like okay the maximum fault rate that we can have is like one in nine meters and then the factory can cut around anything else or you might pull a garment and just be like right we can't use that one during qc because it's got like a, a, a tiny little fabric fault here so we can't use it um and then that's kind of in keeping to your tolerance like your order tolerance of like plus minus five percent of your garments um and fabric and everyone's happy <laughs> Yeah, I mean that makes it that breaks it down and makes it sound a lot easier. Um, so I guess let's let's summarize a little bit in terms of if I was um going to start a brand today, like where would I kind of go and where would you recommend I go to begin my fabric sourcing journey? So I would I would start by going to a textile fair, going to the textile fair. So looking to see where the next one is, maybe doing a little bit of research, going onto the website, seeing like who's exhibiting, kind of get familiar with regards to certain mills that do the order quantities and the price points that it is that you're after. So they'll generally list, they'll be like, right, we specialise in denim and our MOQ is 300 metres and our average price point is like 10 to 15 euros a metre. And you're like, cool, that's exactly what I'm looking for and what I need. I know that I'm going to need to go. And then you go and you have a conversation and you can see whether the fabric is right and whether it is the right mill for you. And then you just take it from there. So research, basically, just try and do a little bit of research, get armed with and knowing exactly what it is you're looking for. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. That was super informative. Um, if we are looking to find um, some help with sourcing our fabric, where can we find you? Well, um, yes, of course you can come to me. So uh, not only am I doing the agency side of it, I, I'm also I've also designed a couple of fabric workshops actually, which I've um, been doing for the last well, the introduction to fabric buying workshop, um, and we basically cover everything in that workshop from what a fabric is, so yarns, fibers, how fabrics are made, what happens at mill, how to develop your own fabric, how to read test reports, like all of it, negotiations, fabric problems. Um, so it's a shop because there's a lot to cover and there's a bit on sustainability at the end. Um, so if you really want to know, like really deep dive into 
to this and kind of really know your fabrics and generate that that kind of background knowledge then you can come and join that workshop and then the other one that I'm doing is on sustainability so sustainability in fashion fashion and textile so like as we've said it's a, it's a huge area and how that impacts fabric um is you know quite relevant at the moment so that's going to be ready to launch in January in the new year so again if you're interested then let me know um or you can just get in touch with me and yeah like I say I've got eight mills and they all do something different so have a look on my website Kira Jennings Textiles uh what is it www.kirajenningsnextel.com and then on insta it's kira underscore jen underscore text so i'll have uh, you know there's there's always some newness and things on there so you can find me drop me a line give me a call and uh yeah can go from there amazing well i'm sure you're going to get a lot of small product based business owners messaging you about their fabrics now so um thank you so much for your um time and it's super interesting to hear about the fabric sourcing process thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the commerce club podcast if you love this episode please don't forget to show your support by liking and subscribing on your chosen podcasting platform before you go i'd love to tell you about my online self-led courses that you can access through the commerce club if you're a product-based business entrepreneur you're going to want to stick around and listen to this the Commerce Club is home to my accessible and affordable courses for product business entrepreneurs, and it is the key to helping you start and grow your product-based business, especially if you are on a budget. So instead of spending hours searching Google for the answers to the most commonly asked questions like, how do you launch a brand? How do I find a manufacturer? How do I work out my cost price? What's a good profit margin? How do I build an audience? And where can I sell my product? Instead, you can use the Commerce Club courses, templates and resources to learn how to set up and launch your brand to convert customers from day one, scale and grow your sales and profit by using data you already have once your business is live and trading, and you can get your brand stocked in retailers and platforms like Wolf and Badger. Plus, you'll join a community of like-minded small business owners for support and collaborations along the way. The Commerce Club is going to help you get confident in taking your idea into development, to launch and beyond, helping you turn your product business dreams into reality. So whether you've just had an idea or your business is live and trading, there's going to be a course for you. And remember, everything I teach you in these courses has come from my extensive experience working in the retail industry for some of the world's biggest brands, including Ralph Lauren, Kate Spade and Burberry. So you can be assured they are big time strategies that I've scaled down to suit your small product business startup. If you're interested in trying the Commerce Club courses out for size, I've got free free masterclasses for you to check out on www.thecommerceclub.co. And if you want to take the leap straight away and enroll in a course today, you can use the code TCC10OFF to get 10% off your purchase.